so as we uh, come to this, uh, we met on Monday night and we talked about some potential direction for our discussion. So let me start it out by opening it up to all of them. And I'll just kind of work with Pastor Mitch uh, down to uh, Pastor Anthony, Pastor John. Um, regarding, is there anything from what we've talked about in the last... Um, eight weeks that you would want to say, boy, if there's one thing I could really kind of reinforce, if I could, if you can boil it down to that, right? But what would you say? What, what would you encourage us with out of this time of intensive teaching? You get to go first. <laughs> um, I think. I think for me, as we were going through the the series and. Just, just to be reminded that the Holy Spirit is personal, right? And I think sometimes the danger is to kind of view the Holy Spirit as like an object or a thing or a force, if you will. And, and, and the Bible is very clear, as Pastor Dean showed us, you know, that, that the Holy Spirit is personal. And He's always used with those personal pronouns. And, and, and you know, to, to truly experience the Holy Spirit, it's not, He's not some force that we tap into, right? It's a relationship. And, and I think it's important that we, you know, if, if we really want to experience the Holy Spirit in our lives and, and really utilize the gifts that He has given us, it's, it's knowing and, and having a personal um, relationship with Him. You know, and I know that's definitely been, been my experience. Is, is, it's, it's on a personal level, much like, you know, the, the relationship we have with Jesus, you know. So... Mm -hmm. Uh, for me, that would be one of my big takeaways, is just a reminder that he is a, a personal... Um, hmm. Amen. Um, <clears throat> can you hear me? All right. Uh, one of the things that I'm going to take away with, or have taken away with, was uh, something that I said to Dean uh, before this whole thing happened. Uh, it was an illustration. And because his heart, his goal, his passion was, uh, you know, to strengthen you guys, to take the material and give an opportunity for you to know a little bit more. And so uh, the illustration that I'm going to use, and I told him this, was uh, I spent a month in Africa, in Jinja, Uganda. And while there, I heard a story of, uh, there's a lot of missionaries in Africa, if you didn't know. Uh, I had met this missionary, and uh, he was telling me a story about how this uh, guy had this old jalopy kind of a car, okay? And so he came into this mission, took the car, and was able to do it. But the guy that was explaining to him is, and for those of you that are older in the room, you're probably familiar with this term, the car wasn't that good, so they had to pop the clutch. <laughs> so they would park it on a hill. They would do this, they would, you know. And so this pastor got so used to it, that that's what you do. This is what you do with the car. You park it at certain places. You get a whole group of people to help push the car. And so uh, this guy had spent a year or two in uh, this particular mission, and then the new pastor came in. And so this pastor's like, all right, I got this. I get to explain to this new pastor how this car works. And he's like, oh, yeah, you just got to park it on a hill. You got to do this. You got to get some people to help push. And so this new pastor's like, oh, okay. And then he goes over, pops the hood, looks at it, rubs two wires together, and then it immediately starts up again. And the reason I say that is, is oftentimes our understanding of the Holy Spirit is popping the clutch. But the point of this whole message was to go a little bit further, to be able to look into the hood and be able to rub those two wires together. And basically, some of us may be only not having the full potential of the Spirit in that regard. And so that was kind of the goal and the purpose of this, is that you're not minimized to just being able to allow the Holy Spirit to work in your life by parking it on a hill, mm -hmm. having other people push you. But the ability mm -hmm. to actually come alongside, look under the hood and see and realize what the actual problem is. Mm -hmm. so. Amen. Yeah, that's good. Um, for me, as I, as I uh, look at the whole picture, you know, Jesus told us that the work of the Holy Spirit would be to convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and of truth. You know, um, and so I thought the overall work of the Holy Spirit is is in the basic underlying theme of the Bible, redemption. Um, and, and I felt like 
we can't lose sight of that most important role. Because apart from the Spirit, none of us in here were saved. Apart from the Spirit convicting us of sin, and sin simply being, God, thanks for the life, I'll take it from here. You know, no longer do I want to give you control, but I'll control things. Um, the Holy Spirit convicting us of that, that we might begin to be restored to relationship with God. Uh, so so I, I just, I want us to keep that first and foremost in our mind, the work of, of the Holy Spirit in redemption, uh, convicting the world of sin and righteousness, because Jesus goes to be with the Father. Jesus is the only standard of righteousness that God will accept. Therefore, we are in Him because of the work of the Spirit. And the rule of this world now stands condemned, right? The, you know, Satan has his hand on the nerve of sin in our lives, and he's able to manipulate us with that. But when Jesus died on the cross and rose again from the dead and we received him, Jesus removed his hand from us. And now the Holy Spirit controls. Now the Holy Spirit leads and the Holy Spirit directs our lives. And the next thing that I, that I thought, the first phase of that Spirit in our lives is for salvation and redemption. And the second phase is, is if you want to look at it in that manner, is to do the work of the Spirit. He's now empowered us, right, in Acts 1-8 to go and, and to bring the good news to gospel, this message of grace and mercy and hope and the deliverance from the sin that controls, the sin that besets. He's now equipped us and he's gifted us. And, and we'll get into that aspect of things now as we go forward. But, but it's, he saved us, he redeemed us, and now he's called us to the work of redemption in other people's lives. Mm -hmm. We're now his tools, but we need to be empowered by him uh, to do that. Right. I think that's a great segue into the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Because when we went through that, uh, one of the goals was to demonstrate that it is still for today. Um, that it's not something that happened in time past and it, you know, seceded or went away. Uh, but the, the baptism and the filling of the Spirit is still for today. And that as we went through that, we talked about how the Holy Spirit gives us power to be His witnesses. And then we, as we look through the leading and the giftings of the Spirit, we looked at how the Spirit also... Uh, gives us gifts so that we can serve him, we can serve his body. So uh, we are his vessels to be used in the world because we are now empowered to serve and, and to, to preach and to be witnesses, but we're also empowered to serve the body of Christ. So as we talk through that, and then we went through the evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I know this is an area where I think a lot of people get you know, concern, they're not so sure about it, they're sort of afraid to open themselves up to it. And so I wanted to ask the three of you, if you wouldn't mind opening the door to your life a little bit, what has been your relationship with the Holy Spirit? Um, if I can use these terms, how were you baptized in the Spirit? How were you filled by the Spirit? How did that happen for you, if you'd like to talk about that a little bit? So people, we, we can sort of take the peeling, the wrapper off of this so we can see how, how the Holy Spirit works in our lives. Anybody? Anybody? <laughs> Nose <laughs> I, I can uh, kick it off while you guys are thinking. Um, I was raised in a very traditional church where there was cessationism, meaning we thought the giftings of the Spirit sort of pretty much ceased back in the end of the first century. And I didn't know that growing up as a kid. I just, that was what I was raised in. So as I got to college and began to get involved with college groups and people were talking about the, the filling of the Holy Spirit, I'm like, well, what is that? You know, because I hadn't really read the scriptures. Um, and so as I moved through life and, uh, you know, I was encountering people, you know, believers of different denominations and whatnot, you know, some were just, you know, like, you know, I guess got to be baptized with the Spirit and speak in tongues and all this stuff. You know, I just didn't know what to believe about it until I began to read the scriptures and study it for myself and say, what do the scriptures talk about? And if this is real, 
then how do I experience it? And how is it true and real and biblical and not some kind of wacky, crazy thing? Because I think we've all probably, unfortunately, been exposed to what I'll call the extremities of Pentecostalism that I think is not in balance with, script, with the scriptures. As you know, That's one of the reasons we went through this. But for me, it was... You know, getting in Bible studies, going through this, and then finally opening my life up and just saying, Lord, if, if this is real, then I want to know you in this way. And I remember going to a time of worship one night. It was like an, just an evening of worship. And just sitting there as we were worshiping the Lord, and it wasn't some kind of lightning bolt from heaven or anything, but it was literally for me just kind of that still small voice speaking in my heart, the Lord saying, you know, I'm here. You know, do you want the fullness of what I have to offer? Um, and it was sort of a series of events like that for me where I just began to open my life up to the Lord. Um, just so you know, I, I don't speak in tongues. I've always desired that gift, but he hasn't given that gift to me. But uh, it, was, it was after that that I began to know that the Lord had given me a gift of teaching, given me, uh, calling me to be a pastor and those kinds of things. So it was just sort of, a, for me, it was kind of a gradual thing. But the Lord worked in my life and spoke to me. And I can remember at one pastor's conference, I went forward and I was still kind of not sure, Lord, have I... Have I really experienced the fullness of all that you have? And I went forward. There were some men up front praying. And they laid hands on me and prayed for me. And as they were praying for me, I, I, I heard the voice of the Holy Spirit as distinctly as you can hear his voice in your heart saying to me, you have the fullness. Minister in the fullness that I've given to you. And that's the way it's been for me ever since. So not this dramatic thing, not some kind of craziness or whatever, but just the power of God, you know, and I want more of it. I, I, I don't believe I've allowed the Lord to give me the fullness that I, I desire. You know, sometimes we hold it back because of just sin in our lives and that kind of thing, but I want more, you know, of the Lord and I want him to use me. So that's just a little bit of my story. If any of you have anything to add with your own. To your story? Not to my story. <laughs> if, you, if you want to, go for it. <laughs> Uh, um, for me, I didn't know what happened to me when it happened. And I like to say this to my, whenever my kids came back from a retreat or something, I say, so what did God do to you this week? You know, salvation is something that happens to us. You, you, when you're brought from death to life, that's pretty dramatic, isn't it? Something happened to you. The Spirit of God now dwells in you. And when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, uh, it's something, again, that happens to you. There's a change. Uh, there's an, there's a, an empowering. There's, there's, there's a place of joy where there was no joy. Yeah. And mm -hmm. for me, I was... Uh, I didn't get discipled in this way at all. Or I, to be honest with you, I just knew that the Holy Spirit was the third person in the Trinity because I grew up a good Catholic. And, um, you know, Father wants Holy Spirit, that's all I knew about it. Uh, but when I was going to Calvary, Albuquerque, I was, uh, I was dating a girl who was going off to college, and when she went back to college, she got back together with an old boyfriend that she had left to be with me while she was here. This sounds like a really good girl, doesn't it? And anyway... <laughs> But of course, the typical man thing is to get all irate and upset and, and hurt. And, and my, my reaction was to get angry. And I said, I said, no, God, I don't want to feel this way. And I don't want to act this way. Help me. And immediately, I mean, it was instantaneously, I began to just sing words of praise and worship to God out of nowhere. That was not what was in my heart. All of a sudden, that was the thing that was in my heart. Later on, when I was in ministry, working with the homeless at the rescue mission in Albuquerque, uh, I was talking with the chaplain, and we were going over this whole idea of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and, and that they were speaking the wonders of God in, their, in other people's languages, and I went, that's what happened to me. I don't know if it was tongues, because no one was there to, to witness that. Um, uh, but it was 
immediate praise and worship. And when, when they were baptized in the Holy Spirit on that day of Pentecost, they were speaking the glories and the wonders of God. Uh, and, and, and people in other languages were understanding that. So I, I just felt like that's what happened in my life. And, and a, a lot of change took place from there. I began to go forward in the ministry God had given that he called me to be a pastor. And, and uh, there's more to the story, but we're given time limits. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that, it's something that happened to me. And uh, I, I certainly see the fruit of it ever since. And, you know, Dean said something that's really important. Uh, I want more. Uh, when you... Not content with where we are. Not, we're not content with where we are. And the whole idea that the Holy Spirit isn't somebody we can have. The Holy Spirit has us. Mm -hmm. And it's a matter of how much we're willing really to give over to Him. Uh, and so it's an issue of surrender. It's just like any relationship, as Mitch was saying. We grow in that relationship. Yeah. Well, to kind of dovetail off of what he said in, in respect of something happened to me, I think a lot of the, the faults uh, with a lot of people, and this was especially me, is um, I've heard of experiences. I've heard of other people, what they've experienced and what they've done, so I'm going to try to uh, replicate it. You know, I'm going to try to, okay, so that person was an alcoholic, so maybe I should dabble in that. That person was this, so maybe I should dabble in that. That person went to church, so maybe I should dabble in that. You know what I mean? And so I think for me, again, I'm going to illustrate it this way. Um, my wife and I were from California. We met in Denver, and now we're here uh, helping with the church plant with him. One of the, uh, and all of our children were born in, uh, in Colorado. And after church one day here, uh, my, my children don't like it when my wife and I are spontaneous. So after church one day, we're like, we're like an hour from the ocean. Let's go. And so we're going, we're going there, and we're kind of hyping the ocean up to my children. And, you know, they've heard about it. But it wasn't until they actually got to experience it. It was a little bit different. And it was different, I think, for every single one of them. It was, for, for one, it was... I can see it from the car. For one, it was, I can feel the sand in my toes. For another, it was, I get to like actually hold the water. And uh, my wife, because they're all in their Sunday best, and we're like, come back over here, you're getting your dress dirty. And uh, anyway, and so what I'm getting at is this. I think there's a difference when it's knowing about something versus actually experiencing that thing. And I think it's okay that my experience is going to be different than your experience, but the thing that I would encourage is, have you had that experience? Yes. Can you walk away and honestly say, like, I've been changed. I've experienced the ocean. I don't know just about the ocean anymore, but I have something tangibly inside of me where I can walk out and share that with someone. And better yet, maybe lead them back to the ocean. So, I guess for me, I grew up in the church. My dad's a pastor. I walked away, did a lot of drugs and alcohol, did a lot of dumb stuff. And I think that was, my point is this. I knew about the church growing up, but it wasn't until I experienced it that there was an actual legitimate change. And people that I did dumb stuff with are still kind of looking at me like, what happened to you? <laughs> so... Yeah, that's mine. Mm -hmm. Mitch's turn. Uh, so for me, well, that's really hot. Um, so I, I can remember quite quite vividly. Um, I like I like what John said because for me it was very much being in a, in a place of surrender. You know, just coming to a place of emptying myself so that God can can do something. Now I can remember being in Bay St. Louis on a missions trip and just just walking the, the, the compound that we were that we were staying at and I could just tell like the Lord was, was doing something. Mm -hmm. You know, and I can remember reading I was that on that trip I was reading through the book of Romans and and I can remember getting to, to chapter twelve, right? And just 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 walking around with my Bible, just just reading and just kind of experiencing the Lord, you know, and coming to that place in my own life of, of surrender, of, of what is holding me back from, from God using me, from God doing the things in my life that He wants to do, you know, 
you know, Paul says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Do not be conformed to this world, but transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So for I say through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt each a measure of faith. For as we have many members, one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we being many are one body in Christ, and individually members to one another. And I can remember reading that and just right, having that experience where something changed in me, and I just thought, God, where do I fit in? Right? We're many members in one body, so what's my function inside this body? Right? What is my function among the church? How can I be used and effective in ministry? And it was, it was an experience. It was something that I, that I went through. I, just, I found myself just sitting there just weeping. Just, God touched me, right? The Holy Spirit had just done something in my life. And I can't, it's hard to put into words. But it's, it's coming to that place of surrender. Coming to a personal God and allowing Him to do something in your life, you know? And, and I can remember it vividly, like it was yesterday. Because it is personal, you know what I mean? It's the same mm -hmm. thing like, like with all of us, right? Like, we don't get to know one another unless we spend time with one another. It's a personal thing, right? And you don't just, you don't just know somebody and experience who they are the first time you meet them, right? You have to spend time with that person. You have mm -hmm. to pour in. You have to allow yourself to be a little vulnerable, mm -hmm. right? And open up yourself and they have to do the same. And as that happens, right, that relationship grows and it builds and it becomes something more. Well, that's what the Holy Spirit is. He's a personal God and He wants us to draw in, but we have to also allow ourselves to become vulnerable. Mm -hmm. We have to expose ourselves and say, God, I want to surrender what is me so that you can have your perfect work in me. Mm -hmm. And um, that was my experience. You know, and I think, I think one of the things to remember, and I hope that as we've gone through this series, we've presented it, is the balance. Because for what, again, what I'll call the extremities of Pentecostalism, is that there is an overemphasis, and I would say an out-of-balance emphasis on the person and the work of the Holy Spirit, when we have to understand it's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's, it's the three in one working together. And when Jesus said that he would send his spirit to, to be with us, to not just be with us, to, but to come upon us and to give us that power, he wanted to initiate us into the reality of that relationship that we can have with him living, breathing on a daily basis. And I was also thinking about this not so much just in terms of an event, of the baptism of the Holy Spirit because I think that happens and that's real and sometimes we have these ideas of maybe what we've seen on TV of you know somebody being slain in the spirit if you've ever seen something like that and they're acting wacky and you know they're falling down on the floor and quivering and all that kind of stuff and I think honestly that is the enemy having done a number on us because when you read in the scriptures did you ever see that happen that never happened but what happened is when the power of God came upon them, there was a reality that came into their lives. And I can describe it, you know, in fact, I, well, I'm sorry, I'm jumping around a bit, but during the series, somebody sent me this uh, text one morning. Um, Great teaching this morning, praise the Lord. One thing this teaching series has done for me is bring to light just how active the Holy Spirit is in my life. He is personal. He is leading. He is interceding day and night. He is groaning on my behalf. He is gifting. He is alive. And he is doing more than I realize. I tend to, make, to take these things for granted, so our study has made me more aware of the role of the person of the Holy Spirit. So let me say it to you like this. Once your eyes are open to it, you see he's already been active in your life. And for me, I know that when I... 
went to college, and the summer that I met my wife, we were on this summer missions project in Ocean City, New Jersey, and it was the most disciplined I was probably ever in my relationship with the Lord. Every morning at like 5 a.m., I got up, I went out to the beach. There was a jetty, you know, a jet, uh, you know, rocks that were built out into the ocean, and I would go every morning out to the end of that jetty and sit down on a rock with my Bible, just me and the Lord, and what I did is I sat there every morning and I read and I prayed. That's all I did. And I, I didn't have, I didn't know how to study. I didn't know any of that stuff. But here, it's things like this that I read that I ended up highlighting in my Bible. This is from Psalm 104. I will sing to the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praise to my God while I have my being. May my meditation be sweet to him. I will be glad in the Lord. And it's at times like that when you're sitting alone with God and you're just saying, God, just I need to hear from you. These things like leap off the page. And it's the person of the Holy Spirit who is the author of the scriptures illuminating his word and gripping our heart and our mind. And he's working in our lives. And he's speaking to us and he's leading us. And as I, as I mentioned uh, I probably didn't do a great job of it when I was talking about the leading of the Spirit. I sort of closed that message by trying to illustrate how the Lord spoke to me about how I was supposed to marry, you know, Virginia. And, you know, the Lord will speak to us. You know, I was reading, my reading was in Genesis. And I was reading about the story of Jacob and um, Rachel and Leah and, you know, his, his passionate love that he had for her. He saw her, he fell in love with her, and that's what happened with my wife. And uh, the summer was coming to a close, and I felt like the Lord was just speaking to me, saying, you need to ask her to be your wife. I'm like, well, how do I do that? I've, you know, I've never done anything like this. And I just read the scriptures, and it told me what he did. And I just kind of used that as my guide, and that's how I went forward with it. And so the Lord will do that kind of a thing. He'll just speak to you. So it's not, while we've done this, we did this to kind of, in my mind, repair the third leg on the stool that's been broken. We understand the Father, we understand the Son, we talk about that all the time. And we casually mention the Holy Spirit, but that's why I felt like the Lord was saying we need to focus on the, the understanding of the Holy Spirit because of the misunderstanding that's out there. Right. And I think, you know, the perfect illustration for that is, uh, you know, well, what is the, the purpose of the Holy Spirit? And, you know, I think J.I. Packer, like, gives the best uh, explanation. The Holy Spirit's like a floodlight, and a floodlight points to something, right? Mm -hmm. And so the Holy Spirit's job and purpose is to point to the Son, to point to Jesus. And, you know, I'm going to take that illustration and take it a little bit further. I like to go to the movies and picture it this way. Uh, when you go to a movie theater, where do you look? Do you look at that little box where all the lights are coming out? No. Where do you look? You look to where all the lights are pointing towards, right? You look at the screen. And I think a lot of people tend to look for the Holy Spirit, but again, the Holy Spirit's not asking itself to focus on itself. It's look to what I'm pointing at. Look at the picture in which I'm trying to project on the screen. And uh, for a case study, if you've ever done that, it just hurts your eyes when you're constantly looking <laughs> at a uh, theater like that. <laughs> and it mostly came when he was slaying me in the spirit, pushing my face in. <laughs> I don't think they, they noticed it. <laughs> So, but again, going back to the fact that the job of the Holy Spirit is to point to Jesus. And that's why as we went through, Jesus said he was pointing to the Father and then he would send the Spirit and the Spirit would be testifying of him. And so like you said, I think that's a great illustration of floodlight, just shining back on the Son and the Father. And, and even looking back at that light, you're blinding yourself to really seeing the purpose. Right. So if your yeah. focus is on the Holy Spirit, what He can do for me, what He can give me, and glorifying Him, well, we just lost the whole picture. Right. Yeah. Um, and I think one of, one of, you know, Jesus said when He sent the Spirit, the Spirit would testify of Him. He would lead and guide us into all truth. He would point us back to Jesus. He would empower us to be witnesses. But the, an unhealthy view of the Holy Spirit is the one that is one that focuses just on the Holy Spirit and focuses on the experiences of the gift. And then that's unhealthy because God does give us experiences, but focusing on the experience takes the light off of the truth of the word and that we are to walk in truth and not to walk in experience.
You see, faith defines our experience. Our experiences don't define our faith. And an unhealthy emphasis on the Holy Spirit and his work will shine the light on our experiences. And hopefully we've tried to make that clear. So let me uh, shift for a minute because I want to be conscious of our time. Uh, we talked about the, the giftings of the Holy Spirit. Can you share with us what you believe the gifts are that the Holy Spirit has given to you and revealed to you? And how, to, and how did you figure that out? How did you know? Did you take a test? Did the Lord reveal it to you through Scripture? How did that happen? Anybody? You're all pastors, so you all have the gift of teaching, I believe, right? We'll start there. <laughs> I want to use an illustration uh, from yesterday. Is that I got to meet with a young man who the Lord really put on my heart. I met at uh, uh, Gate City Church there in Nashville. And God just drew him to my heart. I got to meet with him yesterday and talk with him. And what I could see in him is that he has a pastor's heart. That he has a pastor's heart. God's probably going to call him to be a pastor whether it's of a church or just simply to have that pastor's heart towards people. I see that in Steve back there. It's just something that I see in people. So one way that I think God reveals things to us and then revealed it to me and I don't think I realize it is through other people, right? Mm -hmm. Sometimes we don't see it in ourselves. And so fellowship is really important. Fellowship with the body of Christ is really important because people will be able to, they, they tend to look to you for certain things. They tend to ask certain things of you based on the giftings that they see in you. And, and so being in fellowship with other believers who are walking with the Lord, sometimes they, they can inform you of that. Um, uh, but I, I have the gift of discernment. And that's the gift of a, of a teacher. Um, and that's been illustrated. I, I need to share this because I, it, it's it's important because we tend to, if we're not careful, make ourselves vulnerable to poor teaching, and this is why we're doing this. Mm -hmm. um, one of the doctrines out there that always kind of revolves and turns its ugly head up is that the sins in a Christian life, Christian's life, are demons uh, that are possessing them, and you need to be exercised of those demons. That's not biblical. There's nowhere in scripture where it says, if you are committing the sin of adultery, cast the demon of adultery out and you'll be delivered. There's nowhere that says that, but there's these teachings that go out there. Well, I had an issue with, with pornography and I was frustrated and I was struggling with it. And, and uh, there was this teacher, a very charismatic guy, uh, spoke with that, with an accent that was just real alluring. And he, he believed in these things and, and I watched him do his work on some people and I knew that this isn't quite right. And I was frustrated, I said, you know, I'm gonna let him pray for me. And I allowed myself to be put in a situation where I could have been deceived. And as I'm letting him pray for me, I yawned, and he said, see, there went one right there. <laughs> <laughs> and, and yes, that's exactly what I did. Inside I went, oh, brother. <laughs> it was like, God, forgive me for putting myself in this place. And, and as I walked away from there, God said to me, he said, John, now are you ready to take responsibility for your own sin? Yes, Lord. Uh, through the whole thing, even though I was putting myself in that place, vulnerability, God never allowed me to be taken. He gave me discernment all the way through it. And, and that's um, one of the things you all need to understand that we're teachers up here, right? We're, we are equipped in the body for the work of ministry. We are to inform you of, of things that are right and, and wrong. But John says that you don't, in, in chapter 1 John 2, 24, therefore, let that abide in you which you heard from the beginning. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, you also will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that He has promised us, eternal life. These things I have written to you concerning those who try to deceive you, but the anointing, that's speaking of the Holy Spirit, which you have received from Him, abides in you, and you do not need that anyone teach you. But as 
the same anointing teaches you concerning all things and is true and is not a lie. And just as it has taught you, you will abide in him. Mm -hmm. You guys need to understand that when you were born again, the Holy Spirit came to dwell in you. And whatever is taught from this pulpit or any pulpit, you can take and go and sit with your Bible open and go to the very one who authored the Bible, the Holy Spirit, and say, okay, what about this? Give me discernment. Mm -hmm. Give me wisdom. Mm -hmm. Give me insight. Mm -hmm. And so that's... And he will, and I, I think one of the very... One of the very important things about sitting down with your Bible open, and, and I'm going to make a pitch here, and I'm, I'm sorry, but i got to do this. For those of you who are electronic Bible bound, um, I'm just going to say it this way. Get a real Bible. <laughs> Interact with the pages of Scripture. Underline it. Highlight it. Make notes. I'm not against using them. I mean, we all have Bibles on our phone, and that's good. God's given us the Word. We can carry it with us everywhere. But there is no... Substitute for interacting with the pages of the scriptures. And knowing, I saw that verse somewhere on the left-hand side, I remember it. You know, that's the way we remember things, right? And, and write in your Bible. Do it. I mean, we were talking, I think you, periodically every couple of years, you get a new one because you've marked it up so much, right? So uh, I tend to keep one forever and just keep marking in it because I, I like to do it. There you go. So... Um, you read your Bible, mark it up, underline it, let the Holy Spirit speak to you. It, it's super important. But I want to come back to the question, though, of the gifts and how did you find out what gifts you had? How was that revealed to you? And, and I'll, I'll piggyback off of something you said. Um, when I first began to be more open to say, okay, Lord, I, I'm starting to understand this is real. How do I find out what my gifts are? Uh, there was a lady in a church that I had just started going to, Virginia and I had just started going to, and she came to me one day after church, and she said, you know, I was just sitting in my time with the Lord this week, and I was just, you know, for, for whatever reason, I was praying for you, and she gave me a piece of paper. She said, these were some scriptures that I just feel like the Lord spoke to me to give to you, so I'm giving them to you, and she said, I believe the Lord is speaking to me to tell you that he's given you certain gifts, and she told me what she thought those gifts were. And that was kind of like, you know, cracking the egg. You know, and I was like, wow. And so I, I took it, not, you know, like she was the Lord so per se, but I said, you know, Lord, are you speaking to me through her? And that's something you said, how the Lord does. So that kind of opened my idea of, okay, Lord, is this true? Are these gifts that you've given me? And if so, how do I kind of understand them and begin to walk in them. And, and that opened the door for me. Hearing that, I want to caution this too, because I've had a lot of people come up to me and say, you're going to have an impact on the youth of this town and this city, and yeah. they're all going to come to the Lord, and thus say it. Be careful of those things. Yes. Bring everything uh, yep, back to them. Exactly. Take it back to the Lord, for sure. But that's kind of how I began to sort of explore what gifts the Lord might have given me. So it was through a, a person, a kind person who, right. you know, had sort of, yeah, exactly. So what about you guys? How did you discover your gifts? I, for me, it was um, same thing, like going to a Bible study, you know, you come across, you know, a passage like Romans 12 or, you know, Corinthians 12 and, you know, just talking about the spiritual gifts and you know then, then, then the question gets posed right like what are your spiritual gifts you know and I remember just just sitting there like racket like I don't have any you know I'm not a gifted person I don't have anything you know and, and I remember the pastor just you know just through you know um, his encouragement he just kind of said well aren't you teaching a bible study twice a week well, I said, well, yeah, but that's different. And, and, you know, from, from my point of view, like, I'm studying frantically Wednesday night to teach a study on Thursday. You know what I mean? Like, I didn't really feel equipped to be doing what I was doing. And in truth, I wasn't, right? It was the Holy Spirit who was empowering me to do these things. And, and uh, I was just kind of like, oh, well, is it fair to say you have the gift of teaching? Like, well, yeah, I guess. But, you know, and he said, you know, same thing, right? Like, are you not leading this group twice a week? Well, yeah. So is it fair to say you have the gift of leadership? And again, in my mind, in my perspective, it's like, well, 
no, I'm not a leader. Because you're thinking this type A person. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Like I'm not, I'm not the kind of person to walk in a room and take charge of that room and start delegating things. But you know, in in that environment, right, the the Holy Spirit and the Lord had equipped me to lead and to teach that study, and it kind of showed me that, oh, okay, you know, but. I'm doing these things, and it took someone else to kind of point it out in my life. And mm -hmm. say, look how the Holy Spirit has equipped you, you know. And that's what happened to me when this lady pointed those things out to me. I realized I had already been doing that. I had been leading Bible studies and all that. And I'm like, oh, I'd already been walking in the gift, and I didn't know it. Right. Yeah. yeah. How important was the catalyst of that person in your all's oh, life? Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, this young man I met with yesterday, I just sent a little note to him. You have a pastor's heart. And, and let the Spirit take it from there. Hmm. Um, uh, we need that catalyst sometimes. You recognize something in somebody, and, and it's from the Spirit, you know what? Encourage them. Encourage them. Mm -hmm. Amen. Um, my turn. <laughs> I grew up in the church. My dad's a pastor. My little brother's a pastor. So when I had come back to the Lord... Um, I was in New Mexico, living in Albuquerque, doing a bunch of dumb stuff, and then I you know, went back to Denver to kind of clean myself up. And um, my pastor, the guy that took me under his wing and actually discipled me, and, and you know, I have to say that as well, one of the big uh, things that was very important for me wasn't just getting saved here and there, but actually having someone take me under their wing. And not just take me under their wing, but legitimately not just give me purpose, but give me hope. And this person, uh, Sam Park, he literally told me, he goes, I think you should be a pastor. And you know, I was coming out of like a culinary background. I was uh, managing and leading kitchens and all that. And so I'm like, no, I am very enthusiastic. And I'm like, cook, I can't be a pastor. He's like, why not? Because like, my dad's a pastor, <laughs> my little brother's a pastor. People will think it's a racket. We're also Italian, that, you know. <laughs> when we file our taxes. It's like legitimate business, you know? So I did a lot of pushback. And, you know, I think that's kind of how I found out my gift of being a pastor. And I, and I still have that heart. And I think, being honest, I think I've fought it. And I even uh, pastored a church in Wyoming. I went to New Mexico, hung out with him. And uh, I worked at a restaurant because I'm like, I'm going to go back to my roots. <laughs> and uh, there was a young girl who's actually here in the room. Um, she would actually just like witness to people and then she would like bring them to me and say, now talk to them. <laughs> and I remember thinking, and at the time I'm like, no, I don't want to be a pastor. I don't want to do this and I'm running from it. And so I, I say all this also to encourage you that maybe God has gifted you and you don't know it, but maybe someone has told you, but maybe you're running from that. Hmm. What I would encourage you is find a person that you trust that you can be honest with, that will be honest with you and ask him the hard questions. And so my gift, how I found out about it, is I had a person tell me and how I continue to know about it is the Lord would not let me not do what he wants me to do. Mm -hmm. um, as uh, C.S. Lewis said, you know, I was dragged into the kingdom kicking and screaming. And, you know, I think oftentimes that's, I still have that attitude. But one of my giftings is evangelism. I love people. I love just, you know, uh, hey, let's talk about that. Let's go. One really quick thing mm -hmm. to move forward. I know um, that's my gift. What would, his gift didn't cease because he didn't have a pulpit. When I when I knew God called me to be a pastor, I thought that I wasn't a pastor until I was behind a pulpit. Amen. Right. And I was right. sitting in a meeting, um, and somebody walked up to me, didn't even know me, and I was discouraged. Uh, it happens every now and then. <laughs> um, and he said to me, he said, he, he didn't know who I was. He didn't know anything about me. He said, your idea of ministry is all wrong. Right. Ministry is not being behind the pulpit. Ministry is doing whatever God wants you to do at whatever given time, at whatever given place. Yeah. And so then I began at that point. He didn't even know. And at that point, God, God was saying to me, be a pastor where you're at. Right. Use your gifts, whatever they are, where you're at for the glory of the kingdom of God, for the insemination of the gospel into other people's lives. Right. Fathers, it's to your 
Children, husbands, right. to your wives. Right. Children, to your dolls. <laughs> Got to practice somewhere, yeah. But but so there's a good point that um, so just using the gift of pastor and teacher, you know, we can probably also I've done it in airports, right. I've done it in conversations, I've done it in the setting of a small group Bible study. Obviously, I've done it in the pulpit. Um, you do it wherever the opportunity presents itself and and like you said it's not just it has to be manifested or done in a certain place a certain time a certain way but it's whenever and wherever and that goes back to the leading of the spirit just being able to say all right god here's the opportunity and i'm going to take it uh the job that i'm at uh the guy that was like hiring me a lot of you knew this the guy that was like training me died like three weeks into my job and so my boss is like calling me crying like what do we do and, you know encouraging him and then uh come monday this happened on saturday come monday morning he's like hey with your background can you like talk to like all the employees and just <laughs> encourage them and give them comfort and i'm like again fighting with myself like but i gotta go do my job which is you know go mow lawns or do you know grounds work and so i literally had an opportunity to share the gospel with people, and it was funny because, like, and this is another thing that I've noticed a lot about New England, the Christians come to the woodwork in those conversations because there's this mm-hmm. fear of, yes, I can't, yeah. I can't share my faith, I can't, I can't be who I am, I can't, I can't, like, going back to the illustration I used earlier, I can't tell people about the ocean that I've experienced because I'll be squashed, I'll be, and so you know. By the way, the guy that came and talked to me, what gift was he using? The certain the gift of knowledge. Knowledge. Right? <laughs> I'll let you take the test again. <laughs> so I took a free one so on my phone last night. <laughs> the Holy Spirit, think of it. What does it say in the gifts? That he gives he gives these different gifts, but the same spirit. The spirit that was in that man is the same spirit that that is in me. And the Spirit spoke to me through him enabled by a word of knowledge. Mm-hmm. And, I, and since we're talking mm-hmm. about gifts, I think that's important for us to recognize. Yeah. Yeah, and I, and I think as we talked about the gifts, hopefully something we made clear is that I think there are gifts that the Lord just gives us that are, I'll call it, dominant gifts. You know, like pastor, teacher, whatever. But I also think there's times where he just gives us gifts in the moment. Right. Like gives us a, in that moment in a conversation a word of knowledge, a word of wisdom, discernment. I can remember times I've been having conversations, just a con- conversation with somebody. And it was so strong that I felt that the Lord was speaking to me, giving me an insight into that person's life that my takeaway was I need to pray for them. Right in that area because I knew they were struggling with it but the time wasn't then to bring it up or to confront them with what I felt that the spirit had revealed to me but to give it some time and pray and what I've often seen is that down the road a piece the Lord then says okay now is the time to speak to them about it but this is just how God uses these gifts and weaves them together you know in our lives so uh, we got to draw this to a close so how would you encourage someone to both discover their gifts and then begin to walk forward in those their giftings as they discover them. I think we just said everything. Right. The Bible is the author. The spirit that is in you. Mm-hmm. Right? And let him teach you. Mm-hmm. Let him show you. Let him train you. We talked about the importance of fellowship. Right. Being around the body of Christ. More mature believers. Have a mentor. If there's not a mentor in your life, pray for God to bring a mentor into your life. Mm-hmm. If there's not a disciple in your life, pray for God, pray for somebody to disciple. These are things we all should be doing. We should all be a disciple and we should all be a mentor. And and those things I, I think are just critical for us to know uh, in order to know our gifts and understand our gifts. But, but that's my two cents. Dovetailing off of what he said, um, find a mentor. And maybe you, you're praying that, but I'm going to challenge you. Maybe you're not to be find a mentor, but maybe you're to be a mentor. Mm-hmm. So then you've got to change the prayer to, well, Lord, bring me someone that I can mentor and encourage and come alongside. You know, uh, it says in Psalm, um, uh, how can a young man cleanse his way by taking heed according to your word? Your mm-hmm. word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. And so... 
dovetailing off of what he said is, you know, constantly consume the word. Let this be first and foremost in your life. And for me personally, a verse that I always come back to over and over again for me and my personal walk is uh, Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Mm -hmm. And this life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Hmm. Again, put to death those sins. If anyone says that, hey, you're, you love Jesus, you're perfect now. That is a lie. You know, but constantly put to death those sins that are in you. That is, it doesn't mean it's like a workspace thing where you have to do it over and over again, but you need to come to a realization that I need to put this to death and I want mm -hmm. to put this to death so mm -hmm. that um, I can have fellowship with God, so that I can be reconciled to God on a daily basis. I've been crucified with Christ. In a word of caution about this, to apply this apart from the Spirit yes. is to nail up another set of commandments with which you'll die by. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because because the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Amen. Yeah. Make sure yeah. that you're in relationship and communication with the Holy Spirit as you read through this, that He might apply it and bring life. Yeah, that's a good one. So what we're going to do to end, um, these are just a few scriptures. Uh, I tried to distill it down to a few where there's an encouragement here. You know, if the Lord's given gifts and he has, that we're to use it to minister to one another. Um, the scripture again about uh, old wine, uh, new wine goes into new wine skins. And then remembering you know, we ask him, we ask the Lord to, to reveal to us, to, to give us the gifts, to show us what our gifts are, and then to show us how to use our gifts for, for his kingdom and for his benefit. And as we've talked about the body of Christ, that God has gifted us so that we might love and serve one another in the body. So uh, a lot of this, uh, I'll just be honest with you, it goes way beyond who you are. Don't be locked into your personality, the way you were raised, the way you've fought all of your life. Uh, God didn't save us to leave us the way we were. You know, he's changing us day by day. Morning by morning, his mercies are new. And life uh, in Christ, life in the Spirit as we grow, it's, it's a progressive sanctification. It's a progressive realization that we yield more to him. And he wants to conform us into, to the image of his son. And whatever views and you know, personality quirks you have, trust me, God wants to change those things if you'll let him. And the vehicle he uses is his word and his Holy Spirit to do those things. So what we're going to do to end, I'm just going to pray. And then um, you can just be dismissed. But the four of us are going to stand up here and uh, where our wives are available, they're going to come up and be with us. And we want to be available for prayer. If you need prayer for anything at all, if you want to ask the Lord just to, to baptize you and fill you with his Holy Spirit, or you just say, you know, I just, I don't know what all this means. I just want the Lord to begin to reveal it to me. Um, so we're going to be here to pray for you, um, to pray with you. And so just be uh, sensitive, of course, as we uh, leave. You know, if people are here for prayer, um, you know, to be aware of that. So and if you have questions, I know. I know we didn't like answer any. Um, afterward, talk to Dean and Mitch. <laughs> So, yeah, well, well, really, any of us, and I, I think one of the things we hit upon here at the end is, um, you know, I think a discipleship and small group Bible studies, these, these are the places where we really, I think, a lot of the growth happens. It's when we're getting into the Word ourselves and studying it and applying ourselves and just saying, I want to know, I want to grow. And just allow the Lord to do that. So, uh, Lord, thank you for this time together this morning. And we certainly pray, Lord, that it has uh, blessed you and served your church. And uh, God, uh, take us forward now in the power of your Holy Spirit and the truth and the knowledge of your word. And may you baptize us, Lord, as a church right now. Just uh, as it were, dump a bucket of water over our heads and fill us with your love. And transform our lives and cause us to be walking and abiding in the power of the Holy Spirit. We thank you and we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. God bless you.